Radio, RadioNext.tv, at the Cool Groove site. We come to you every Wednesday from 11 to 11.50, and we're glad to be back again today to do this one more time. We've had over three years, over 150 episodes, over 200 guests on this program, and glad to be uh, with my brother, H.B. Bell, my twin from another mother. But we are together again, always grateful to be in his presence. He is the producer of our show and glad for all of the great work he does behind the scenes. Thanks, too, to Josh Collingwood, who takes care of all of our tech work. He's the one who takes care of our websites as well as does the podcast. And, of course, Polly Riddell is our chief connections officer, making connections for Cominius around, in and around Indianapolis. The Cominius Institute is the nonprofit that supports this particular program, Warp and Woof Radio. At Cominius, we cross three bridges. The first bridge we cross is in the college, where I do work with young Christian college students at IUPUI, helping them to navigate They're thinking from a Christian point of view in the classes and disciplines that they're engaged with. And, of course, I'm also teaching there, which is a great honor. I'm glad to be teaching with great and gifted faculty at IUPUI as well. The second bridge that we cross is into communities. And uh, this we do this constantly every single week with the radio show. And we're glad to be uh, uniting individuals and groups from in and around Indianapolis who are doing good based on Titus 3, 1, 8, and 14. And, of course, our biggest concern in that community is bridging cultures uh, between each other, making those bridges uh, so that people can connect with each other. The third bridge that we cross is into culture. I'm constantly writing, speaking, teaching on all different kinds of issues as it relates to the cultural issue. If you want to go to our websites, you can find there Truth in Two. That is where I'm taking one Christian truth in two minutes and explaining it through not only video but also text. If you're interested in such things, check out CominiusInstitute.org.com or my website, WarpAndWoof.org. But today, we are really grateful to have with us T.C. Taylor. T.C. is a church planting pastor here in Indianapolis. T.C., thanks so much for joining us today. Man, glad to be with you today. It's really great to be with you and uh, looking forward to lunch afterwards, by the way. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. That'll definitely be good. So, that'll be good, yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's just start with a brief biographical sketch here and tell us about yourself, your family, your church. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I said T.C. Taylor. Um, I'm from Terre Haute, Indiana, originally. Uh, my wife's from Columbus, Indiana. We met at Indiana State University. Mm. Uh, and then I spent the, I spent nine years in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, doing some seminary. And I planted a church there in Louisville, Kentucky. And then uh, was uh, through, through relationships brought back here, the opportunity to come back here uh, to plant a church here in Indianapolis, which just mm. launched. This past Sunday, so really that's exciting that. news, man. Yeah, yeah, and you was, were telling me about uh, the launch numbers. Tell everybody. Yeah, yeah, we had about 245 people this past Sunday. So that's fantastic. Really, really good first Sunday. So that's yeah. really good. Yeah. Puts a big yeah. smile on your face. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely yes. And you got uh, you got some great leadership uh, working along with you. Yeah, yeah. So we have uh, besides myself, we have uh, two other uh, lay elders in our church mm-hmm. who are not paid, but then we have two other full time staff members as well. So, that's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, excellent. And we're grateful uh, to know about your family as well. Uh, you have children? Yeah, yeah so i uh, married to Crystal. Uh, it'll be 14 years this summer. And then I have two children, uh, uh, Trinity Camille, who is four, and Timothy Charles, who's two. Oh, my so, word. I'm loving those so yeah. names, man. Yeah, yeah, Trinity yeah. and Timothy. Yeah, what a great yeah. great set of names there. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, and greetings, Crystal. Thanks so much for sharing your husband here with us today. We're grateful for that as well. Love you, Crystal. <laughs> there you go. 
So uh, today we're going to be talking uh, with TC about not just about church planting, but specifically as uh, TC and I were talking uh, off camera before we set this up, we talked about the issue of minority leadership, uh, not only in the church, but in culture at large, in every venue, I think is really important to have the discussion. So uh, TC, I'm just going to have you launch out into this, take this wherever you would like to go from yeah. your vantage point, yeah. minority leadership, the what, the why, the how, the importance, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. So in, in culture today, there's a lot of talk about diversity mm -hmm. uh, in companies in churches and nonprofit organizations. Everybody's talking about the topic of diversity. And I think one of the struggles with diversity sometimes can be that many people want diversity, but they don't want to see diversity when it comes to leadership. Ooh. And there, there's a place where we want minorities in the space, but we don't want their leadership capacity. Nah. And so we, we believe is what we're doing with One Fellowship Church is that we, we are we are a diverse church. We're in a diverse community of Pike Township on the northwest side. Mm -hmm. uh, you think it's a community that's, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just giving some raw numbers, but maybe about 47% black, 32% white, 15% Hispanic, and I think about 3% Asian. And even socioeconomically goes from Section 8 from, uh, to six-figure incomes. So it's a very diverse mm. community, mm. but a lot of times, as I said, when diversity is talked about, minorities hear diversity, and what they might hear is, oh, you want us to come, but you don't want us to leave. Yeah. And so one of my desires and visions is to have a place that can be diverse, but can also have strong minority leadership. That's fantastic. So I'm going to tell you the vision for Comenius that you don't know yet, but we've been talking about it for years. Uh, and that is that uh, I actually want a young African-American man to take my spot. Um, I would love to hire somebody as an executive director, you know, walk side by side first day in and uh, let, let that person become the voice, the face, and just hand the reins over. Uh, we live in a city, the 16th largest city in the United States. Yes. This kind of uh, opportunity for us to make a statement as Christians in the community to say, you know, not only do we want the presence of those who don't look like us, but we want them to lead us as well. That's a huge issue. It's, it's huge. It's, it's a huge thing because I think in some senses we'll really start to see diversity in the true sense of it mm -hmm. as we start to see minorities being able to lead in the conversation lead at the table yes many times it's hey we want diversity but come sit at our table yeah it's never hey we want diversity so we're going to come sit at your table mm -hmm. and so there's a need i believe for uh, uh particularly in christianity for our white brothers and sisters to be willing and ready to say hey it's okay i'm willing to come and sit at the table yeah. and be led and not <coughs> always have to lead yeah exactly this is a fantastic, important uh, concept here, and one that uh, ought not to be missed by anybody that's listening or watching. Uh, so let me just uh, suggest a name, uh, because I've heard him talk about this in the past, uh, Jamar Tisby. Yes, I know Jamar. So Jamar has uh, said one of the reasons why he renamed the fellowship that he started a couple of years ago, renamed it uh, toward a black emphasis in his, as I recall, it's called Witness. Yeah, the Witness, yes. The, the Witness. And uh, his concern was that uh, white leaders were not giving up their positions to black leaders. Yeah. Uh, thoughts from your perspective on how that is manifest as well. When you hear uh, somebody say, uh, we want you 
to not only participate as a leader, but you, we want you to take over the leadership of this particular uh, responsibility. What's your thought about that? Yeah, I think that's really important. And, and really, it, it's a part of my story, uh, even here in Indianapolis, uh, as I would love to share, is that our church was planted by a large church in Indianapolis called College Park Church, which is uh, historically predominantly a, a white church that has been growing in diversity, but still, uh, you know, a largely white church who their lead pastor brought me in uh, to, for this role to plant this church and really gave the reins and the leadership of it to me That's great. Um, to, to, to lead and to, and, to, and to help establish this church mm. uh, uh, in the community. And one of the things I, I, that I see that he did that was really good, uh, Mark Rogop, who's the lead pastor there, he, he was willing to give up, uh, use his influence in order to help lift up my leadership. Yes, And that's one of the things that we need to see happen, I think, in, in a lot of cases. We need minority, uh, majority culture <coughs> leaders who are willing to use their platforms and their influence not to make themselves sit up higher, but to raise up minority leadership who can actually run with the vision. If we would actually practice what Jesus said was important, that he might increase and I might decrease, yeah, maybe yeah. that would be the important yeah, issue here. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that there, there's a lot of truth to that. I think there's also the fact that there's been much given. Yes. You know, we live in a society and a culture where, to be honest, being white is valued above every mm -hmm. other color and culture. Yes. Uh, when it comes to uh, economics, when it comes to uh, 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 political positions, uh, all of these things. And so what needs to happen if, if, our, if our white brothers and sisters really believe in diversity, they have to be willing to give up power mm -hmm. in order to see others thrive. That's right. So the issue really uh, is one of humility, I suspect. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when we talk about the issue of humility, we're actually suggesting that other people might be more important than us. Yeah, 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 definitely. Now to consider, I think Jesus talks about that. I mean, I mean the, uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul talks about that, to consider others even mm -hmm. above ourselves. You know, and, and I'm paraphrasing there, but yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So when we talk about the issue of uh, minority leadership, we're really just talking about others. We're yeah. just talking about our focus should not be on self or my group or my constituency, but right. on other people. Right, yeah. 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 So tell us a little bit about how you're going to go about doing this process. <laughs> Yeah, so so it's it's an interesting process. Uh, uh, you don't see a, a lot of churches that are minority led with a strong contingent of majority people within mm -hmm. the church. Um, and so one of the things that that we did early on in our process of, of of launching One Fellowship Church was we took time to talk about the reasons why we don't come together. So, so we had conversations about privilege. We had conversations about racism. We had conversations about why it is that, that, that minorities, particularly black African-Americans, uh, particularly don't, uh, and, and whites don't go to church together. Because um, we wanted to set and establish that reality from the beginning in a way to help uh, our, our majority culture brothers and sisters understand those realities mm -hmm. but also another thing is we wanted to be, we want to be careful that we're not oppressing our majority culture mm -hmm. brothers and sisters at the same time so what we've talked about is we want our majority brothers and sisters to become dual cultured as we as minorities have to be dual cultured to make it in society mm -hmm. um, it's interesting that you i heard a guy say this one time that 
you can't get a GED in this country without understanding white culture or majority culture. You can get a PhD and not have to know anything about black culture or brown culture or, or, or minority culture. Mm. Um, you know, it's almost you have to decide that you want to be a part of the conversation. But not only that, as a, as a as a majority culture person, you can decide when not to be a part of the conversation anymore. Whereas those of us who are minorities, African Americans, Hispanic uh, people groups, or Latino people groups, uh, we don't we don't have that same luxury. We can't be successful in economics, politics, or anything if we don't understand majority culture. Mm. So we're just saying to our people, hey. We don't want to oppress our majority culture, brothers and sisters, but we want you to become dual cultured. So this really, I mean, we could go in so many different directions with this. I, I think ultimately uh, we would need to talk about the American culture as a whole, as an umbrella over really the unfortunate nature of the yep. Christian church in America, Absolutely. which is the Christian church had become Americanized yes. instead of being Christian, yes. period, with a yes. period at the end of that right. statement. So uh, there's so much to talk about all of that and the impact of an American culture on the church as a whole, right. capital T, capital C. Right. Uh, but now within the culture itself, now we're talking about the very specific concern that we have about being dual cultured. So let's kind of tease that apart because I don't know that um, we've really had a discussion about that phraseology before. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about what does it mean to become dual cultured. Can you give an example of Yeah, it? yeah. So I can, I can give some examples uh, of what I would say with this. Uh, you know, there's a new book by a guy named Brian Loritz called Insider Outsider. Mm -hmm. And in his book, he talks about uh, things like the, the, the danger of, Basically, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but that we need, we need to lose white evangelicalism. Now, he makes it clear that we need our white evangelical brothers and sisters, mm -hmm. but the system of evangelicalism need, need, needs to be needs to be gone. And an example of what the system is would be that that many times when we talk about being pro life, we're really talking about being anti abortion. Uh, particularly with the system of white evangelicalism, um, and I'm, I'm I'm making that very I want to make that very clear that we're, we're very concerned about abortion, which we should be as Christians. As a Christian, we should see abortion and taking of life as wrong, but we should also see all loss of life as wrong. That only God has the right to choose when a person lives and when a person. Dies. And so the same way that we're up in arms about abortion, we should be up in arms about young black men being killed by police officers. Mm -hmm. Not saying that all police officers are bad. There are many good police officers. But there is an issue in this country in that reality. We should care about the prison to pipeline system, yeah. which affects uh, uh, particularly African-American families mm -hmm. in African-American communities. If we're pro-life, we must be pro-life from the womb to the tomb, mm -hmm. not just before a birth, not just before the act of birth, but the whole process and all of life mm -hmm. after that. You don't preach, do you, at all? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you not. You don't have a pulpit yeah. in any way. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm yeah. teasing. Yeah. 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 I, one of the things that I have a conversation with, uh, with my white brothers and sisters <laughs> is when we talk about being pro-life, at the same time, we need to talk about pro-justice. Pro yes. We need to talk about those two things as equivalent, as 
part of the same conversation as something that is intertwined in a way that some of us don't really think about in ways that are unfortunate. Uh, So while you're right, I absolutely agree with you about being pro-life and all of the senses from womb to tomb, we also need to be pro-justice to your point that we not uh, dissuade anybody from becoming a police officer because, you know, we have some awful view of of the police, but that we understand that there is this dynamic that is still resonant within the culture itself that still must be spoken to and about and not uh, swept under the rug, as it were. So uh, uh, that was, you know, we're talking about maybe a, a negative example. How can we give a positive example of becoming dual cultured. You know, if you were going to come to me and say to me, hey, Mark, um, I'd like you to be here, go there, read this, participate in, what would you say? Yeah, I would say that becoming dual cultured is being willing, in a sense, too, to want to learn about the culture of other people. So the reality is, in Christianity, the gospel of Jesus Christ makes us one in Jesus. Mm. That the gospel says that all of our ethnicities and all of our cultures have wickedness and evil in them. So none of us should boast about any of our cultures above another. Yes. But the gospel also uh, helps us, but but as we... As we believe the gospel and become Christians, we don't become colorblind. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, when you look at Revelation chapter, uh, 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 Revelation, it says that in chapter 7, it says there's going to be people from all tribes, tongues, and nations. So even when we're redeemed in heaven, we're still going to retain our ethnicity. Mm-hmm. And so the gospel also should cause us to, yes, put our ethnicity under the gospel, but it should also call us to value one another's mm-hmm. ethnicities yes. and the beauty in how God made us, that God is a beautiful artist that made mm. us with different skin color and give mm. us different has given us different experiences and all these things. And these things should be valued, celebrated, and appreciated amongst one another. Mm. When you love someone, you're willing to learn about that yes. person. And so we really come down to the basic bottom line, which is shut up and listen. Yeah, I wouldn't say exactly that way. <laughs> but yes, we need to learn to listen to We one need another. to listen, because yeah. If, I, if, I, if you say you love your wife, Mark, and you don't want to know anything or learn mm-hmm. anything about her, or when things actually affect yeah. her and hurt her, yeah. and you're just like, well, don't worry about that, just, your marriage wouldn't be very good. Yeah, right? No, that, that for love to really happen, there has to be a sense in which we're willing to learn from one another mm-hmm. and weep with one another. Mm-hmm. You know, one preacher said that we, the Bible says to weep with those who weep, but it doesn't say weep with those who weep if you understand everything. <laughs> There's a way in which I don't have to fully understand in mm. order to weep with you mm. because of the pain of the way this affects you. Yes. So the, the issue of listening is one that's really powerful. I remember just this past week, actually, uh, watching a, a video, I think a five or six minute video, of a brother who was explaining this very issue and talking about Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3, about the necessity of the one another's and how we engage with one another and care for each other. And one of the things that stood out to me, and I've heard this before, of course, is the idea that our white brothers and sisters need to be quiet for a while. They need to listen for a while. And I honestly believe that. I mean, this is one of the things that uh, supports the idea that to become dual cultured means I need to listen more and talk less. So while, you know, and the individual suggested, you know, I'm not suggesting that you never talk again or anything like that. That's not the point. The point is simply that we need to listen more perhaps than we talk in that sense of things. 
Yeah, I, I think that one of the things is, is that when we look at this country, when we look at America, we, we have different experiences in America. I'll give you an example. I was talking with a, with a, with a guy that goes to my church, and we were talking about voting. And, and I was honest with him that I didn't vote in this. I hadn't been voting. And, and I felt, no, I need to be voting, man, because my aunt, some of my ancestors died so I could vote, you know. And this is a white brother I'm talking to, and he says to me, yeah, me too, my ancestors. And I'm thinking, well, I don't understand. But he's thinking about the Revolutionary War. Uh-huh. So, see, we're not even coming to right. America through the same lens. Right. Every person life and experience is seen through a lens mm -hmm. and that that affects it so for instance some people will look at african americans and say that well you're not very patriotic you know you're okay with kaepernick there's uh kneeling for the flag and those kind of things and it's not that 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 for me i speak for me i'm, I'm thankful to be in america but i don't have the same triumphalism view of america that maybe others do because of how america has treated my culture and my ancestors. Right. And so you have if we're going to have a conversation, that has to be understood. We don't come to conversations neutrally. So right. I'm going to be more critical. I'm going to be more not so quick to just take the facts at the facts because I know that in history there's always been facts behind the facts. That's right. Um, and so if you don't understand that or are not willing to understand that about me and my experience, then it's going to be hard for us to engage. Yeah, absolutely. This comes back to the real obvious issue, I think, that, that really, uh, as an academic, it kind of stands out to me on a regular basis, which is I need to be reading other people that don't look like me, that don't talk like me, that don't have the nationality that I have, and so on and so forth, so that my view of the world is more expansive. Uh, just to give a quick statement about that, one of the things that uh, strikes me as interesting is that we never think of Augustine as uh, an African theologian, but Absolutely. he was. Yes. And so uh, one of I'm teaching a course this summer on Christian thought uh, mm -hmm. through the new seminary here, and uh, the very first book we're going to be reading is Augustine's on Christian teaching. Mm -hmm. And I want to acquaint my uh, class with the very first thing is one of the greatest stalwarts of the Christian faith and Christian history is an African theologian. And one that should not be lost on us. One thing that should always be read, uh, readily available to us is seeing things from other points of view. Well, we're going to take a one-song break here, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with T.C. Taylor, church planter here in Pike Township around Indianapolis, doing good in the community. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio, RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. One song, we'll be right back. And we are back, Warp and Woof Radio, RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. Come to you every Wednesday from 11 to 11.50. And this particular Wednesday, we are glad to have T.C. Taylor with us, uh, from pastor of One Fellowship here in Pike Township around Indianapolis. Uh, T.C., we had our, in our first segment, we were discussing uh, the importance of uh, a dual culturing uh, between cultures, black and white, for instance, in this particular case. But before we get back into that again, let's give a shout out to your church and about what's going on this yeah. coming Sunday. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so One Fellowship Church is the church that we, we planted. Um, we currently meet in the brand new Ortho Indy uh, YMCA in Pike Township, located at 5315. Lafayette Road here in Indianapolis, and this Sunday is Easter Sunday, and our services are at 10 a.m. We'd love for you to come out and uh, experience uh, experience our church and, and as we worship Jesus together. So 10 a.m. 10 a.m. this Sunday at the Ortho Indy YMCA at 5315 Lafayette Road. We'd love to have you there. God bless. You. 
that's really great. And, and the emphasis, of course, as uh, TC as well pointed out in the first segment, is about the necessity of a multicultural church. So maybe we could go in that direction for just a moment and suggest how do you uh, how is it that you go about um, bringing together in the real practical sense of just the day to day in the Pike Township and surrounding areas? How do you go about bringing together that diverse group of individuals? Yeah. So um, they say that for you to have a uh, a, a multicultural multi-ethnic church, um, something like 20% of your church has to be other, whatever the dominant culture is. Mm. So if your church is 80% black and 20% white, that would be considered a multi-ethnic church. If your church is 80% white and 20% black, or if your church is 60% white, 20% Hispanic, you, know, you, you, you get the point of that. Um, and to be honest, the numbers of churches that are like that are, are not a whole, whole lot. Now, I would say in one sense, too, it's important for your, your, the audience to understand that every church isn't going to be multi-ethnic. A church should look like its community. Mm -hmm. Wherever your church is located, it should represent the people that are in that community. Mm -hmm. And I just happen to pastor in a very, very diverse community. Now, as I say that, though, that every church isn't going to be multi-ethnic, every church should be welcoming to all people that it should still be a place that all people, no matter who, can come and experience Jesus. Mm -hmm. Now, back to your question about how to uh, create that kind of church. Um, I think that uh, in some ways it should just come out of, like I said, the community that you're in. Mm -hmm. um, now, now that's one side of it. Now, the question is how do you continue to see that church flow in that direction mm -hmm. Well, in one sense, I think it comes down to the teaching of the word and, and teaching people to know that we're one in Christ. But even though we're one in Christ, that doesn't mean that our cultures go out the window. And so if people can get their minds around that reality, it helps. I think that helping people to understand what it really means to love one another, mm. that to love one another means that we value one another and value one another's differences. Mm. I think we have to teach and help people understand that we can be different. That we don't all have to vote the same. We don't all have to. We don't all have to have the same kind of job. We don't all have to have homeschool or public school. But we can all come together around Christ and appreciate and value one another, even in the midst of our differences. And so I think that those are things that help. Uh, this is. This always reminds me. This kind of discussion always reminds me of Jesus' disciples. You know, Jesus had uh, Simon, of course, who was the zealot. Yeah. who was uh, one of those people who was considered to be, by the Romans' point of view, a domestic terrorist, uh, who, who basically would come up with a Sakari, the eight-inch-long eight knife, you know, and stab Roman soldiers between the fourth and fifth ribs. So, you know, you've got that kind of mentality on Jesus' disciples, but you've also got Matthew, the tax collector, who's coming alongside the Romans collecting taxes on behalf of the Romans. Imagine being in those discipleship meetings with Simon and Matthew. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. I mean, th think about the dynamics of this, and I'm saying this to our audience now. When you're hearing uh, TC talk about these things, we're not talking about something brand new or something totally different, something never tried before. Yeah, no. Jesus modeled this thing. Right. This is important. Yeah. And I think as you look at the church in the New Testament, you see people coming together, Jew and Gentile, mm -hmm. uh, in the same church, which would have been very, you yeah. know, you know what we deal with even today. And so, I, but, I, but once again, I just want to be careful because I think that a lot of minorities still, when they hear conversation about diversity, the the the, the skeptical 
things that can make them skeptical. I'm not saying everyone, but it's man, I, this diversity thing. Yeah, they talk about that at work. You yeah, know, they want to try to be more diversity, but really, it's they don't they don't really want any other opinion. They just want to get more people in the room. Mm-hmm. And so, I was talking with a guy uh, who is a, is at a, a president of a seminary recently, and one of the things he talked about is we want people to come here who are different. It's a majority of uh, a, a white seminary, and he said we want people to come here and feel like they're at home, mm-hmm. not just guests. Yes. And so if you're going to have diversity in your church, you got to be able to make people feel like they're at home and not just guests. Mm-hmm. And a lot of minorities, I, I think that when they hear diversity, there's a skepticism because they've seen it before, maybe even tried it before, mm-hmm. and they saw it as, yeah, you just kind of want us here as guests, but but not actually to be home. Yeah. You want to have your picture taken with us, but that's, you know, that's right. about the end right. of that story. Yeah. 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 Maybe you want us to sing on your praise <laughs> team or. But you don't want us to be elders. Right, yeah. yeah. Just so you know, TC, we always take a picture together here. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> not, not saying anything nah, about that, that, that particular fine. issue. No, no, no. We're, uh, we're concerned, though, about, you know, from a Christian vantage point. So let's come back to what Scripture teaches again. You know, you were mentioning the oneness earlier, John chapter 17. Obviously, Jesus yeah. says this three times in the passage to Praise his one. prayer to his Father. We might be one. Yeah. So... You know, I'm thinking that instead of focusing all the time on the word diversity, maybe we should focus on unity. Absolutely. And unity should be the goal. You Because if you have unity, diversity will come. There you can have diversity and not have unity, and really what you have is assimilation. Ooh, say that again. You can have diversity and not have unity, and therefore actually have assimilation. Mm. But if you have unity, and that's the first thing that you strive for, mm. when diversity comes, it'll be true diversity. Mm. I really like that. That's a really profound statement. The necessity of seeing beyond assimilation to unity. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever really thought about it in that framework before. That's a fantastic statement. Yeah. This is it's something. Mine. I just came through oh. different conversations. Well, well so, of yeah. course, yeah. <laughs> We all stand on the shoulders yeah, of giants, yeah, right? absolutely. <laughs> so our concern, of course, when we talk about the issue of unity, I wanted to go back to something you mentioned uh, a moment ago, too, which was the preaching of the word. So when you're talking about the necessity of bringing people together, we need to talk about how we do that. And the basic principle of that for us is the word of God. Right. So right. tell us about it's, how it's that Christ. happens with you. Yeah, so at our church, uh, we we uh, we really try to focus on um, what 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 some people would call a big word, uh, and I, I'll just use it. We don't use it at our church, but expository preaching. Okay, uh, which is a big word that basically just means that we want to preach sermons that are focused on the main point of the text. Mm-hmm. We want the text to speak. Yeah, uh, we want to stand up and read the Bible, explain the Bible and apply the Bible, mm-hmm. uh, and let the Bible be what speaks to people. Yes. Um, uh, and so that, that's something that we just try to focus on is the, pre- now, uh, the preaching of the word. Uh, but but also, um, as and then what it looks like for that word to be lived out in the life of the people. Mm-hmm. So God's word must be the foundation of the, of the local church. When you look at Acts chapter 2, after the 3,000 are believed and are baptized, it says that they actually gather together to be under the apostles' teaching, mm-hmm. which is none other than God's word. And so that's really, really important. And, and as God's word is shaping the congregation, it'll cause the way we live with one another and engage with one another to look different. One of the things that strikes me as you talk about Acts chapter 2 is uh, the necessity of understanding the, the wonder of Pentecost. 
and all of these different people in all these different languages hearing the same thing at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So there's this supernatural element of the spirit going on there where the dissemination of translation is happening automatically. Yeah. Everybody gets to hear it in their own language. Not only that, but now we see the proliferation of Pentecost going out, not simply in language, but through geography. Because once yeah. people leave Pentecost, now they're going to go back to all their different places yeah. of worship. One of which, Acts chapter 8, Ethiopia. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. So why don't you run with that yeah. now? I think that a lot of Christians in America think that, they, they wouldn't say this, but but they, they give a lot to uh, to what happened in Europe with Martin Luther. And I'm not I'm thankful for the Reformation and, yep. and all those things, but, but the gospel didn't start in, in Europe. Right. You know what I mean? It didn't. You, you brought up Augustine, who was... In, in Africa, we're talking what third, fourth century. Mm -hmm. You're, the, you're, yep. the, you're the, yep. uh, the the doctor here, but you know what I mean. That there's been a strong witness to the gospel in Africa, and it's really important for us to understand that because what we're even now you're having a strong uh, uh, group of uh, people, particularly even African Americans, that see Christianity as the white man's religion mm -hmm. because of how American we made Christianity, uh, uh, where European is what's valued in Christianity, but but I want to say to people who are, are of African descent or any other ethnicity outside of even being uh, being white, that Christianity didn't start in Europe. That's right. That, that, that Christianity, that, that Jesus wasn't uh, uh, blue-eyed blue, blue -eyed and, and blonde-haired. That's you right. You know what I mean? That, 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 that Christianity has a strong history amongst the diaspora of black people. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so what we need to do is we need to unhitch Christianity from America. Right. If we do that and we get back to biblical Christianity, we, I think we can see some beautiful things happen. When you stop to think about where Pentecost took place and Acts chapter 2 took place, and we're talking about Jerusalem, you're talking about the center of the world, essentially. Yeah. But, of course, when you talk about Jerusalem, you're talking about Asia. And you're talking about Africa not being too far away. Yeah. And there's and Europe is across the sea over in Greece, maybe, but we're not talking about yeah. Europe yet. Yeah, and, and the gospel gets there. It gets and there. And we're thankful, and, and, and I want to say that we need to be thankful and appreciate right. the contributions of Luther and Calvin and these people. But when we make them the only standard of Christianity and of Christian thought, there's a problem there. Absolutely. You know, another thing that's interesting Please, is a us. lot of people, when they think about uh, uh, Egypt and these places, they don't see those as part of Africa. Right. You know, that's why we talk, you hear people talk about like the sub-Saharan Africa and mm -hmm. all these things. But we need to remember and understand that Egypt that's right. is in Africa. That's right. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that's just interesting that people don't, Ethiopia is in Africa. So when we stop to consider our Lord, who was being chased out of the Middle East, where did he go? Where did he and his family Egypt. go? Egypt, which is Africa, which is Africa. Yeah. So when you stop to consider this, everybody, when you're th you're listening to this program and you're thinking to yourself, Chad, I hadn't really thought about that before, that actually Jesus was nestled in the bosom of Africa to keep him from the awfulness of literally yeah, yeah, yeah. Roman yeah. European tyrants. Yeah. yeah. So when we stop to consider it that way, when we stop to think, gee, this is really something that I hadn't really thought about before. Yeah, Egypt's part of Africa. It's important to remember this. Yeah. We need to get back to some of those thought processes. Right. And, and that just will bring, and I think when we do that, if we, we value and appreciate it, just, it, 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 it brings unity. Yes. A lot of people think, and I'll say this real quick, a lot of people think, <laughs> well, when you talk about the race conversations, who have to divide the church. No. No, it's no. there to bring unity. 
anywhere that it's brought to bring division, we need to watch out for. But if we do, if we're not willing to talk about the past, then we can't have unity. Right. If you don't know where you've come from, you're not going to know where you're going to go to. Absolutely. So the the crucial issue for all of us in Christendom is that we need to understand our history. One of the things that uh, we, we talked about, the three bridges that Comenius crosses, one in the culture, my last peer-reviewed journal article that appeared was on the theological roots of the abolitionist movement, where I was comparing uh, the white Angelina Grimke's writings to the black Frederick Douglass's writings mm-hmm. and showing how both of them took the the soil of the scriptures, which was the basis, the nourishment for all of the principles that they came to, both coming from two radically different positions, uh, certainly ethnicities, but certainly at the same time understanding that the scripture was the soil from which this root was going to grow. So it's always, to me, whenever I I have uh, preachers on the program, like yourself, I'm always glad to hear you all talk about the necessity of the scriptures yes. and the necessity of allowing the text to speak. Right. So not maybe culture, it, not the not culture, culture. done in America, but the text. Yes. So let's get let's do that because we've only got about five seven minutes left here. So I want to come to that point. Let's talk about the necessity of being scriptural Christians, not cultural Christians. Yes. So I want you to take that in whatever direction you'd like to go. Yeah. Scriptural versus cultural Christians. Yeah, Yeah. I think that scriptural Christianity, when we get back to the Bible and we really look at the scriptures and we allow the scriptures to speak, what will happen is we'll recognize that a lot of the things that we've seen as being biblical are actually just cultural realities. There you go. Um, I don't know if you ever heard the story about the the family. Uh, it's It's like the, the man gets married to a woman and they get married and they, after they get married, they're at home and, and the wife's cooking a ham and she cuts the back of the ham off and throws it in the trash. He's like, man, why did she do that? And he, she says, he says, why'd you do that? She said, well, that's what mom did. So mom was still alive. So he went back to mom and he said, mom, why did you do that? And said, that's because what grandma did. And grandma was still alive, so went back to grandma and said, Grandma, why did you do that? She said, I didn't have enough room in the pan. So I had to cut part of the ham off. So we've taken things throughout history and we've made them truth and fact instead of seeing them as cultural realities. And so what we have to understand is that the scriptures have things that should bind us that can be lived out in different mm-hmm. cultures. Here, here's an example. Some people will go into certain churches and maybe there's a song that's being done in the worship that's more repetitive and they'll be like well that's just not solid because it's repetitive it's not a hymn with all these verses and i'm for hymns uh, as well but but the problem with that is that's a cultural reality of saying that a song has to have this many verses and nothing be repeated to be biblical the problem is if you read the psalms there's a lot of repetition in the psalms and so there's a place for repetitious songs there's a place for hymns there's a place for all of these things. Mm-hmm. But in order for us to see that, we have to unhitch the things that we've been taught from what the Bible says we need to live. Mm. Really, really big, really, really important. Yeah. And I think I would say to that, that doesn't mean that culture is not a good thing. Right. I would argue that there's a lot of things that 
uh, that, that white church culture has brought that can be valuable to all of God's people. But there's a lot that the black church culture has mm -hmm. brought that needs to be appreciated by other cultures that can be valuable for people as well. Right. And so what we're saying is, man, we want to, we, I, I think there's a lot of, I want people to understand, particularly in the majority culture, that there's a lot of beautiful tradition mm -hmm. and tr beautiful culture of the black church tradition that they need to understand and value and appreciate mm -hmm. because it will enrich their Christianity. Yes. And so if you come to one fellowship, you will see that we try to bring a lot of that beauty out in order to help bring value and, and, and all of that to, to different groups of people. But it also, I believe, will enrich all of our Christianity. Mm -hmm. As well as there have been things from, from white culture Christianity that has enriched other cultures mm -hmm. Christianity as well. Yes. When you're saying those things, it, it makes me immediately think of uh, responsive preaching in the black church. Yes. That yes. there's a there's a sing-song responsiveness yeah. Yeah. that takes place. We want people to talk back to us. Yeah, exactly. And so at One Fellowship, we're trying to create a culture, where we're, and we want that to be valued mm -hmm. there. Because there'll be people that'll come. This is the problem. You'll have minority people that'll come to your church. Black people that will come to your church, and if it's a diverse church, they, they might feel as though, well, I can't say amen, I can't, because it's not. No, we want them to know, mm -hmm. hey, this is a place we want you to say. We mm -hmm. want that to be valued in our culture, because there, there's, some, there's something about that, 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 that exchange between the people and the preacher that happens in the preaching moment. That's right. This it makes me think of, uh, you know, at my church, which I, I love, and I, I love our people, and so on, but... You know the the responsiveness in in our our church in a Presbyterian style church yeah. is uh, the nod. Yeah, you know, that's the nod. Yeah. You give a nod, and that's yeah. your amen yeah. or you know raise of hands yeah. or whatever. And everybody let me say and this, everybody's but, different. Yeah, and, and, and I, that's okay. And everybody's not going to talk back. But I that's don't right. want the people who yeah. want to talk back to feel to oppressed stop. that they can't. Exactly. Do. Yeah. There needs to be this kind of freedom and yes. liberty that people yeah. feel in Absolutely. essence to this. Uh, this has been a fantastic conversation. Uh, you know, TC, you're going to have to come back again. Yeah, we're going to have to, to we're going to have to dig this hole a little deeper yeah. and uh, and then get rid of some of the stuff that you know we're all carrying around here. Yeah, we all know. got it. That's right. We all got it. And this is one of the things I think that a session like ours today, we kind of started with minority leadership, but it just kind of moved into that dual culture yeah. emphasis and yeah. then of course into the concepts that we're talking about here yeah. of necessitating uh, necessitating that we listen to each other and yeah. and we participate and we value with the differences that we might have yeah. with others and we should like i said we should be able to go to church together we gotta love yeah. each other yeah we're gonna be in heaven together isn't that the truth and if there we can't is. love each other here yeah we got to yeah. jesus last thing i'll say jesus is, is in, uh, in, in, in the um in the um, model prayer says, uh, 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 on earth as it is in heaven, right? That's what That's we right. ask for, on earth as it yep. is in heaven. If in heaven we're going to be together, why can't we be together on earth? Oh, my. If we're together in heaven, why can't we be together on earth? Mm. Gee, that sounds like the, the nucleus for a new sermon right there. there yeah, it's been great, man. I'm, yeah. And we're going to have to do this again. Of course, uh, for those of you who are interested in such things, uh, TC and I are going to go out to lunch afterwards and continue the conversation, which is really a joy as well. And this kind of thing is one of the things that is necessity, not only in Indianapolis, but around America and around the world, mm -hmm. that we begin to uh, unite and focus on unity uh, within the church so that what does Scripture teach us? That when the pagan world, that the public world looks at us and says, I know that you're Christ's disciples because you love, love one another. Love. There it is right there. This is a fantastic uh, discussion point here today. Why don't you give them one more time about your church and where yeah. to meet? 
So uh, One Fellowship Church, uh, we're located at the Ortho Indy YMCA at 10 a.m. on Sundays. Uh, we have a children's ministry for your children. The location is 5315 Lafayette Road. We'd love to see you this Sunday at 10 a.m. or any Sunday that you'd love to be, you would uh, bless us with being in our presence. Mm. That's great. It's been fantastic to have T.C. Taylor on here with us today at Warp and Wolf Radio. Uh, you can pick us up later on in the podcast. For those of you watching uh, on Facebook, tell your friends about this because we archive the, the podcast or the Facebook live uh, broadcast as well. And then, of course, HB is also doing it on his live stream on his site. And uh, don't forget uh, that if you need to know uh, what's going on in and around Indianapolis, uh, check out H.B. Bell and his great program on Saturday morning, 8 to 12 o'clock. Uh, he's got a great show. H.B., just give him a word about your show. Jumbo Love, every Saturday, 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we invite all the older sisters between 8 and 9. I get something special for them every Saturday morning. But, no, all community all the time, and uh, we just have some great shows lined up. And uh, just hope you can tune in. Thank yep. you, brother. Yeah, absolutely. So from 8 to 9, do not try to uh, come to this place from 8 to 9 because HP is pouring syrup from 8 to 9. The doors and, are stuck. And you do not <laughs> want to get involved with that. And uh, uh, Lanny told me to tell you how, uh, Pastor Toby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lanny oh. Terry. Okay, I can go. I know. She don't know my girlfriend now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, TC. <laughs> We've been having a good time up here. Warp and Woof Radio, RadioNext.tv, the cool group site. We'll be coming back to you next Wednesday. We'll see you there.